And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Metrospective Live Q&A. The Mets have won yet another series, this time in Washington on Thursday afternoon, with a win behind some solid starting pitching by Taiwan Walker from Marcana. I'm Ted Berg, joined on the line by Rustin Dodd of The Athletic. Rustin, uh, I'm someone who gets pretty jazzed up over certain frivolities in baseball, but forgive me, am I a, am I a killjoy if the, the series win thing just doesn't excite me that much? I mean, I think that's pretty... I think that's uh, that's understandable. I, I think the fact that that they are they have not lost a series like it's I don't know it says something about their team whether it's consistency whether it's just like they're actually good you know like they they didn't just get hot and win like eight of eleven and then you know that's why their their record looks so good I mean I guess if you were like looking at it from a Mets fan point of view uh, I but I understand I, I I'm not sure that it's like if you're saying, you know, this is a some sort of record or whatever, I, I don't know if it's a record. There's a lot of records in baseball that aren't actually records. Yeah, and like I, I don't know. I guess I guess what I'm excited about is that they're they're 22 and 11, and and if a team is winning two out of every three games, then like of course they're going to be winning most of their series. Like math- mathematically, that lines up, and and I don't really care if that. I, I guess it's nice that they've been consistent. Like that's that's great that they have. Um, so evenly spaced out their wins this year. They've only lost two in a row once to date. Um, and and I guess once they, they split a series last week against the Braves, and once that happened, the magic of the series sweeps, it, just, it doesn't, not sweeps, you know, the, the sweeping of series wins. Uh, yeah, it's just not there for me. Well, it is, it is a hard to write about, right? Because you have to, now that they've split a series, I, I mean, because you have to be like, well, they haven't lost a series, right? And and they're, but they did split one, so they're technically nine zero and one. If people even understand what that means, <laughs> so yes, uh, it, it is kind of hard to to parse. Uh, it almost feels, and it almost feels misleading. Like then, if you're if you're thinking about it, like oh, well, they've won every series they've played this year. Then I'm almost disappointed that they're 22 and 11 because you they usually think two out of three is a, is a series win. If they've done that every time, then there's got to be some sweeps in there. Uh, there haven't been a ton. Uh, if you have a question for the show, please do join us. I see some people filling up the live the live room. Uh, press the button to uh, request to join on stage. And you, you too, will have the chance, as so many have before you, to answer a question, or to ask a question, to have it answered on the Metrospective podcast. Uh, Russin, what did you take away from today's win for the Mets? Well, I mean, I think taking two of three just because it's the Nationals, like, I, I don't 
take too much from this series. I think, you know, the two biggest, obviously, takeaways are just Taiwan Walker uh, today looking, going seven innings when they when they needed a starting pitcher to go seven innings, kind of saving the bullpen going into the weekend. But more big picture, just he's kind of had a strange start to his year, obviously. Um, and just seeing him put up that performance and thinking, okay, you know, maybe you can get this from him, um, you know, if, if not, you know, every time out, you know, 60, 70, 80 percent of the time you get this sort of version of Taiwan Walker. And then, you know, what does that do to the rotation? Um, so I, that, I think that was kind of the main takeaway from today. But, um, yeah, I mean, taking two or three from this Nationals team, I think the Mets, you know, they should do this at this point. Um, so I don't know. What, what did you what did you make of the last few days? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I thought the same thing you did about about Walker. It was kind of a, it was a, it was an interesting start. It, he did get like you, you don't want to give him no credit. Um, he only struck out one batter over seven innings, which is like such a, a confounding rarity in 2022 baseball. But it wasn't like they were they were tagging the ball and just hitting at people. So it seemed like he got a ton of ground balls, a lot of ground balls with his curveball. And I think just with how uneven he's been in this very, very limited sample to date, it's nice to see, you know. And then I also liked uh, Seth Lugo, a guy that I think caused a little bit of agita earlier in the season um, and now seems to be fully back to being a above-average major league setup man. Uh, and that that seems good. It's, it's, it, it's become clear that that was his – little blip like all relievers have at some point and the ERA gets ugly and now we've moved on. So, you know, I'm... I have actually, I have, I have one question about Taiwan Walker for you though, because I, I was at the game. Obviously I was not watching on, on television. Uh, was SNY, did they show him repeatedly sort of uh, heating up his back or stretching or like looking a little bit in discomfort? Uh, they they um, did show him that he had the heating pad in, in between innings. Okay, yeah, I, this that was something that where you could see that he was a little bit off just in person, but it not as apparent when you're not seeing that image. But he was pretty pretty adamant that that was a pretty standard issue thing for him. But still, I don't know something to to watch going forward with him because uh, it did seem like he was not exactly you know in perfect uh, condition or at least not feeling exactly perfect. Maybe I should say. Um, so anyway, I was I was curious if that came across more on television. Yeah, I mean, it it was something you could see. I I, also, I saw the quotes from him and, and Showalter after the game that, that sort of downplayed it. I think if you've been watching the Mets for any length of time, like any time anytime anything like that happens, you immediately assume, like, oh, well, tomorrow we hear, you know, MRI, it's day-to-day, and then, like, a week later, it's it, yeah. we're going to put him on the DL, and then... Uh, and then he's out for the season. Like that's just that's just the way it goes with the Mets. So obviously the fear is there. Um, but I guess the the flip side is that I always wonder, like, well, what if what if he did that in in all his starts in Seattle and it just never got picked up on? Yeah, you know, like, because he, it, yeah. Buck Show Walter mentioned that a lot of guys, you know, will do things even back in the tunnel. Um, and and Taiwan Walker mentioned he, a lot of times he has a heating pad on, but maybe he has a jacket on or something over, and you don't even notice. Um, so it it was just um, it, it was noticeable, um, but but he he did downplay it as as if that was pretty pretty par for the course. It's not what you expect. I don't know uh, how it was in DC. It was a gorgeous day in New York today, but it's not what you'd expect. Like I I would imagine something like that on a like a an April night game when it's forty one, but. 
if it's 68 and sunny, it's it's it is a little bit concerning to see your starting pitcher pitcher going to the heating pad. Yeah, and obviously you had that collision with with Juan mm-hmm. Soto, which didn't nec- I mean look like actually Soto got the worst of that, but um, but you know I don't know that there was any sort of connection to that. But if a guy's heating up his back and then he's running into Juan Soto, it's like that's. Ah, Probably not great for your back, but you know. Anyway, it's it's he. It seemed like you know, he he obviously pitched well, so it, it didn't seem like to be affecting him that much. We have some people waiting to get on stage. We'll start off with uh, Christian B. Christian, uh, welcome to the show. Hi. So uh, you actually partially took the question out of my mouth because I too was at the game and I was going to ask about Taiwan Walker also looking very uncomfortable while pitching. Um, so perhaps I'll just let things go because I think you've addressed that already. But uh, I would like to say he did look very uncomfortable in a number of instances while walking around the mound. So just gonna uh, it's, a great, it's a good point. Uh, and yeah, I'm, it's not something. It's 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 a funny thing because you, you kind of want to trust Jeremy Hefner the, and you know the Mets training staff to know where a guy's limits are. But anytime you see a guy looking uncomfortable, I think that's a little bit alarming. No, I, I was just going to say that, it, you know, the, he gave them length. You know, it's like he went seven innings. And um, so they, they obviously weren't too concerned about it. Um, and obviously they needed they needed something like that because of what uh, Tyler McGill did yesterday. But, um, you know, if, if, if you would think, like, you know, if there was any sort of concern or whatever that they – that they wouldn't have let him just, you know, keep going like he was. So anyway, um, as, as you said, you know, you kind of guess, I guess, uh, trust that they uh, felt pretty good about it. Yeah. I mean, they, you know, the, you mentioned the short start out of McGill uh, yesterday, but they went to, you know, they got three innings a piece out of Trevor Williams and, and Stephen Dogasek. So like, it wasn't like the bullpen was, was completely stretched. I thought so. Um, I, I gotta hope that it was it was just something he can work through. Sean F is waiting patiently to ask a question. Sean, what's up? Yes, with uh, the news that Mark Canna is now you know being requested by Buck Showalter to back up first base. JD gets the DH start versus the right-hander. Uh, does this spell the news for Dominic Smith, especially with JD Davis, you know, being top three, top five? along with names like Mike Trout and Jordan Alvarez and expected Woba. Uh, could we see a J.D. Davis major partial time at DH? Because they will continue to rotate players through DH, but J.D. could be their guy there. That's a good question. Rustin, what, do, you have, do you have thoughts on this? I feel like, Ted, you're <laughs> – I honestly feel like I, I, don't, I don't want to uh, cast myself as, as an expert on certain Mets things uh, any more than most fans are. So – you you go first and I'll I'll go after you. I think that if it's got it, you got to like play the hot hand to some extent. And Smith, like I, I feel like we everybody has. He's such a popular player. He seems like he's a popular guy in the clubhouse. I don't think uh, most Mets fans are are saying I'm done with this guy. But when you're you're playing DH and you're you're batting, you've got a 550 OPS. Like something has to break. So. You know, I, it's not that I don't think Smith is is going to bounce back, but I would say, yeah, like if it's time to play Davis at, at DH against some righties now, like absolutely do it. He's hitting a lot better, and you gotta you gotta bank these wins. No, I, I think that's right. I mean, you're gonna play the guys that are performing. Um, you know, I, I I thought it was interesting. Uh, Buck Walter was asked about JD Davis yesterday about just sort of embracing. Uh, 
a role that's uh, you know not necessarily full time after he's been a guy that's you know played most of the time um, the last few years. Uh, and he made an interesting comment about you know like it's a lot easier for these things to sort of you know embrace all this uh, when when you're winning. And mm-hmm. you know the the Mets depth is you know it's it's such that it's like. Um, you know, like Mark Canna had three hits today. You know, he only started three of the last six days, uh, six games. And it's like, he's a guy that, you know, like maybe he should be playing every day or at least not, if not every day, like most of the time. Um, yet they, they do have these other guys that they, they want to mix in. Um, so I, I think, I don't know. I'm, I, I think the answer with JD Davis, you know, is, is that going to cut into Dom Smith's playing time? It would, it would, if if he's not performing, it would seem so. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that, you know, the concern is that against tough righties, maybe Davis gets exposed a little bit. But, like, you, the guy's been a really good hitter. Uh, I think you take your chances and, and uh, you put you put Dom Smith in places where he can succeed. Uh, you find good matchups for him and try to get him going again because I think – having that lefty bat and having that that bit of balance on the bench would really help them. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, if you've got a question, please do uh, raise your hand or whatever you have to do to join us on stage. I saw a couple people waiting who then bailed out. Uh, I worry that we answered your questions or uh, we scared you away for some reason. So let's not have that. Um, what do we got coming up? The Mets have the Mariners. Um, I don't know a ton about the Mariners. What do you know about the Mariners, Rustin? Well, I, I know uh... – Jared Kelnick will be uh, coming to to City Field. Um, I know that the Mariners were, uh, you know, obviously they outperformed their sort of pie thag, as you would say, last year and had that mm-hmm. sort of uh, what seemed like maybe sort of a breakthrough over, over a sign of things to come. Uh, but they haven't necessarily performed back to that level this year. Um, so I don't know. They're hanging right around a little under 500, I believe. And uh you know, I, I think they're young. They're somewhat exciting. They're sort of uh, a, a team trying to break through. But I, I don't, um, you know, in, in terms Logan Gilbert, I, is he even, are they, I should know this, obviously, but is, are the Mets going to miss him this weekend? He's been kind of one of the better young pitchers in the American League. Um, I want to say they do miss, I think they do miss Gilbert. So that, so that should be, you know, uh, good to miss him. Um, but I don't know, the, the, um, I think they, you know, it's it's another winnable series, I would say. So the streak could live, you know. Uh, Zach P. has been waiting. Zach, what is going on? 
Hey, hey, sorry guys, can you hear me? We got you. Yep. All right. Hey, Ted. Hey, Rustin. Uh, first time caller, long time Omir Santos fan. Nice. Uh, the question has nothing to do with Omir Santos. Um, I, I wanted uh, to hear your guys' thoughts on Edwin Diaz and, and not uh, really what's happening on the field in terms of his stats and, you know, the, the lights out slider that we're seeing right now, but um, a little bit more about his demeanor out there. It seems like he is in this really good mental place. And obviously I don't have access to, you know, speaking with him personally or anything, but um, you know, even on the, the home run to Soto today, he, he very visibly shrugged it off. And then um, after getting the final out uh, kind of seemed to have a somewhat lighthearted chat with Nito and, um, you know, just speculating, but it, it almost appeared like he was just like, damn, that was, you know, a really good pitch and not much more you can do. Uh, I think that's really important to see from your guys, uh, especially these guys who are going to be in the high leverage situations um, and definitely a departure from, you know, uh, what we've seen from Diaz in the past, even in the past couple of years when he has found success, there has seemed to be this kind of tenseness to him. So just wanted your thoughts on that. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, interested if i don't know if the caller is still on the line but uh okay, like i'm i'm okay well <laughs> no i'm i'm interested i i'm wondering does i'm wondering like um in ted you can answer this then but do, do you think that it has been a noticeable thing uh where diaz has not looked uh you know necessarily you know comfortable or confident or whatever on the mound or if it has been more that when his command, you know, is not there, when he's not making the pitches he wants, when guys get on base, it certainly seems like he can be pretty volatile in terms of his just his reliability on getting guys out. Um, and does is it is it that he's just like his command has been really good this year? I, I feel you know, and his slider obviously his breaking ball has been, you know, just like sort of the force that it's that it's been in, you know, years past and back in Seattle. Um, is, is it, is it that, or do, I don't know, Ted, do you, have you noticed anything with Diaz different uh, this say, year besides the production? Um, I don't, I, you know, I think that guys always look good when they're performing really well, you know, like obviously. So um, we may not have seen his, his rough stretch of the season. He's looked really good. You know, outside of his, he had a, a woeful season in, in 2019, his first year with the Mets. Outside of that, he's been really good. Last year, like the ERA wasn't quite there, but most of the time he was he was pretty convincing as a closer. Um, what I what I've noticed about him and, um, and it's something I, I brought up a couple weeks ago after the no hitter, um, it does seem like he saves his best for the biggest spots uh, when they had the big comeback and and in the ninth inning of that no hitter, I thought were his two most dominant outings of the of the year. He's a guy who, you know, came from the Mariners and has now been on the Mets for four years. He has he's never pitched in the postseason. And so um, it makes me I would say I'm excited to see what Diaz does uh, under the the biggest, you know, like on the brightest on the biggest stage, because it seems like he very much like covets that stage. Yeah, I also think and this is one of those things where I wish I could just like text Tim Britton right now because he would he would have the answer right uh but like um i i i feel like do the numbers bear out that diaz has been fairly streaky and it, you know be, not just with his time with the mets but beyond that um because i i feel like 
he gets in runs where he looks like, you know, like he's going to have no trouble at all, you know, like um, mm-hmm. where he's nobody can touch him. And then, you know, like he'll have a two or three week stretch where all of a sudden something looks something looks off. And and to this point this year, it's just like he hasn't had that moment yet. Right. He just hasn't had that, you know, that two or three um, week stretch where he has, you know, two or three outings out of five or six where things just seem a little off. And I, I think that that time is probably coming. Um, you know, he's, he's not going to be maybe this good all year, but, um, but if, you know, if you can, if you only have one of those, you know, or if, if one of those only lasts like a couple outings in a row or whatever, um, he's still, you know, going to be one of the best, you know, back end relievers in, in the league. So, um, he's, I, I think he's been kind of exactly what they've needed, at least from him, uh, to this point. Yeah, I think that's I think that's exactly right. Like, uh, you know, across the board. I mean, even if you look like at his his hits per nine this this year, if you, if you think about like you know indications of luck, like his his hits per nine is way down, which seems like not something that necessarily fluctuates so much um, unless you're you're playing in front of a wildly different defense. Um, it seems like yeah, like like most likely, I think he's pitching well. I, I but I think he. Every reliever has those those stints. Marion Rivera used to do it like once a year in his late thirties, and everybody would say this is now it's it. Marion Rivera's done. It's all coming apart, and it never did. Like I think that at least at the very least we know Diaz can write himself, and to date uh, he hasn't had that moment yet. Alex C has been waiting. Alex, what's going on? Amazing. Hello. Hey, Alex. How are you? Oh, this is fantastic. I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm doing well. All right. Uh, so I'll just get to it. So uh, I'll be thinking a little far ahead, but I, I I think about what this um, rotation will look like in the um, in the postseason a lot, and uh, and how I have concerns about the um, bullpen. So I guess what I'm saying is when we get to the postseason, bearing that everything's healthy can be a stretch sometimes. It looks like we would have a front three of DeGrom, Scherzer, Bassett, and then I guess the real question would be who would be your fourth starter, and then who is in the pen. I think about that. I really like the idea. I think we're losing Alex a little bit, but we got his question. I think I knew exactly where he was going with that, but go ahead, Ted. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, Alex was asking uh, who, who takes it, who moves to the bullpen. If yeah, there's a lot, Alex was, has – like so many of us in the past, gotten ahead of himself a little bit. I know I do it myself. Um, he's, he's got the Mets in the play- he's got the Mets in the playoffs and Jacob Degrom back in the rotation. Neither of those things is is a given right now. Correct. Um, but if the question is, if you're like, oh, we have too many, we have too many good starting pitchers entering this postseason series, you're gonna you're gonna figure that out. Um, if it is that Degrom is healthy and Scherzer is healthy and Bassett is healthy, sure, there's your top three. Um, I've discussed this in the show before, like to, to me, because McGill throws hard and because he seems to have this, like this presence for the big moment, I, I kind of love the idea of him coming out of the bullpen, but uh, I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see when we get there. I think. No, definitely. But I, I actually think that's where he might've been going with that. Um, you know, like I think if those are your top three, j- j- just let's go ahead and d- indulge the question and, and say mm-hmm. Jacob deGrom is back, you know, it's, so if those are your top three, one, you might be looking for ways 
to even have some of those guys come back on like short rest and you, you, you like do you need a four starter you know mm-hmm. uh maybe you do but for the purpose of this question uh you know let's say carlos carrasco is your four starter or maybe the the bigger question is okay so which one of these you know extra starters slots the best as a you know a short like one inning guy or you know as a as a guy and so that i don't know that's like it's fun to think about at least even right now in in early may just thinking about okay in the hypothetical of we don't need five starting pitchers in october which one of our back end guys can be the best in the bullpen and i i think you know i think it would naturally i think carlos clarasco if he's healthy would would seem like the guy you would want as your four starter i think mm-hmm. just because of you know one the experience but he's also pitched well so uh but i don't know um that uh seems like if the the mets get to the postseason and have jacob de grom and uh max scherzer both healthy i would think they may be uh, the betting favorites in uh a few yeah, places so it it could be that the answer is who cares, right? Like, <laughs> going to the postseason with, with, with the Grom and Scherzer in the front, they're like, who cares who's your fourth starter? Uh, let it be, like, let it be Steven Nogasek. Uh, he's got a great mustache. You know, like, you're going to, you're you're in a good spot if that's happening. Uh, we'll take one more. We got Sean F. on the line. Uh, possibly again. Well, we, we have a we have a couple more people on the line, but, but Sean F. is either on or back. Did we have you earlier, Sean? Yes, you did. I had the uh, the JD Dom question, and you guys have perfectly led into my next. Uh, you guys brought up the Mariners coming to town, which brings back shades of the Jared Kalenic, Edwin Diaz trade. Edwin Diaz was talked about by Zach. And this brings me to really next season. If we had to pick one of Edwin Diaz or Brandon Nimmo to extend, both are expected to be, you know, will be free agents at the end of this year. Who would we pick and why? Oh, that's a good – I mean, you know, I would say, Sean, that I would always opt for – like, there's, you're talking about a different amount of money. Nimmo's looking at, looking at a lot more money, I think, because he's an everyday player. Um, if the money is equal, it's a, no, it's a no-brainer that it's Nimmo. I think even if the money is, is not equal, uh, if you're going to play something less than free agency rate for Nimmo – to me, that's that's the move you make just because he's a he's a really good player and he's an everyday player and we've seen how fickle bullpen arms can be. Yeah, I mean, I would I would, yeah, I mean, it's it's so it's it's a difficult question. I feel like because I think the the obvious out of those two guys and just like the vacuum of saying uh, which guy would you prioritize? I, I think you would prior, prioritize Nimmo, um, but obviously he's he's going to be a lot more money. So if 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 the answer is oh okay, you can have Edwin Diaz plus you know, whatever else um, would be, you know, w- with what you're not signing Brandon Nimmo for, then it becomes an interesting question. But then, uh, you know, obviously right now you, it's like, what is that other money going to? Who else could, you, you know, you target as an outfielder, you know, like who else is out there, you know, like if, um, so anyway, I, I the, you know, there would be more options if you, if you don't sign Nemo, but you are able to bring back Diaz, you know, there might be more options with what you could do. But um, if you were just thinking of, you know, prioritizing, I, I guess Nemo would be, you know, a, a better option than, you know, so, you know, relief uh, free agents like 
closers, they're always going to be a little bit a little bit risky. Yeah, I think also, I mean, the, the thing to consider is if you sign Nimmo, maybe there's no room for Aaron Judge. That's something you got to worry about. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, let's take a, one more. Uh, we got Jeremy O waiting uh, and, and here on stage. Jeremy, you've got the last question of the day. What's up? That is so anticlimactic. Uh, I think we'll just end it there. That was a – man, what a sad way to end, though, Rustin. I know. Well, yeah. Um, it was – it was a little bit like oh, a little behind the scenes. Mark, I mentioned how uh, Mark Hanna hadn't played much, and he was actually asked last question in this sort of scrum with the reporters. And he, uh, why, you know, if he knew why he hadn't played, you know, more than three times in the last six days, and he answered that I can only speculate on. And it was kind of an anticlimactic end to. Uh, to the post-game clubhouse scene. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I wonder why they're leaving. I, you know, that's a that's a great that's a great save for for one thing. Thank you. And I wonder why they're not letting Mark Cannon know what when he's going to be playing. I hope that, <laughs> I hope that the communication improves because I want them to keep everybody happy, especially that guy because he keeps coming through with big hits. Russin, thank you so much for for joining today uh, and and filling in for Tim. Uh, it's been great hearing your perspective on the Mets. And uh, and I hope we we do this again soon. No, thank you for bearing with my uh, somewhat limited knowledge of of this first place uh, team. No, so just, you've got it, you've got it. Uh, what what you've seen, what you've seen, what there is to know. Uh, and and I know you're following along closely. So uh, we will be back soon with more. Until then, peace out. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.